Live from Studio G at Goodman Law Group's headquarters, this is The Good Law Pod, a show that dives into your questions about all things HOA. Welcome to another episode for uh, Goodman Law Group. This week, we're covering process service and process servers in Arizona. In the last couple of months, we've had some of our listeners ask questions about um, when a homeowner can be served, how they get served, uh, and other questions about their process service. And I thought that this might be the perfect opportunity for us to bring in a few folks from a national process service company, and I'll introduce them in just a minute, to explain not only how it works, but even share with us some funny or stories or horror stories here in the bit. But I'm Clint Goodman, and with us is uh, Bud Hart with Nationwide Process Service and Tiffany Samaniego. Afternoon. Hello. Very good. So I guess just to get started, let me just uh, summarize what we're going to cover today and so our listeners know in advance what we're talking about, and then um, we'll just get right into it. So we're going to be covering uh, process service in Arizona, some of the laws, some of the changes to the laws of what a process server can do, what they can't. I know a lot of boards out there always ask, well, why is the lawsuit taking so long? And in order for a judge to order somebody to do something, they have to have what's called personal jurisdiction over the man over the man or woman. And in order to do that, they have to get served in most cases. So, and that can take some time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about how process servers actually get registered or licensed in Arizona to serve court papers. And then uh, we'll get into some funny stories I was talking with uh, the team beforehand, and I can't wait to share a couple of these. <laughs> They're hilarious. Um, stuff that keeps you up at night sometimes. And then uh, actually, I found interest. We're going to talk about when service is ineffective. Uh, that might actually be something good to keep in mind, especially if you have a photo radar ticket out there and <laughs> end up not getting served correctly and what you can do to fight that. So without any further ado, uh, would you guys mind introducing yourselves to the listeners? Hi, I am Tiffany Samaniego, and I am the Director of Operations for Nationwide Legal. I've been in the business since 96, so I think that puts me about year 22 or so, um, doing service of process and managing a few different companies, but... Um, but so, I, I've been serving process for several years, so I've seen a lot of things and changes over the years, and so it's always evolving. Yeah, changes to the law and just how you can go about serving folks. And Co Correct, right. They've put some restrictions on us that maybe didn't used to be, but uh, we definitely, the rules are constantly changing and we adapt. Cool. So we'll talk about more about the changes here in a minute, okay. but thank you. Hi, I'm Bud Hart. I'm the Regional Director of Sales for Nationwide Legal. Um, Tiffany and I are a team here in Arizona. We've been working together since uh, 2013. And I've moved from San Diego in 2005. Started in the business in 1997, flying aerial surveillance for a friend of mine in California. Um, we were doing private investigations, work comp, and uh, he asked me to... Uh, to fly some surveillance on a, uh, a couple of cases. And um, I ended up, one thing led to another. I went to work for the company, uh, started calling on clients. I moved to Arizona in 2005, um, started um, nationwide 
and we've just grown from there. It's uh, it's been it's been a it's been a fun road. I I have a, I have the best job in the world. I get to talk to um, like your staff, Clint, uh, the paralegal secretaries, attorneys. It's always something new every single day. It's a different challenge. Yeah, it's the same paperwork. We're going to see the same people. We're doing the same thing, but it it's a different twist every single day. You go out to serve documents, um, and you have to personally serve. You know, you you it's personal service. And well, the, for the listeners, what does that mean? Because to you and I, per, we know exactly what it means because it's a legal term. But what does personal service actually mean? Um, I if I if I re, Tiffany's required to show up for court. I have to as a as a process server hand her or serve her the documents. She has to be personally served the documents. Um, in some cases, you can give them to a relative or a party that lives at the structure that identifies themselves. Yeah, I live here. And it's called subservice. Um, this is you must serve them personally. So personal, Eyeball to eyeball. Here you go. You've been served. It can be through a windshield. It can be through a screen door. You know, you can, as long as you can identify the person. Um, and this is where Tiffany really, this is this is her portion of the operation, making sure that our servers are compliant with the statutes and that everything is being done properly. So this is how we kind of team up. Um, I, you know, I, I work the side of the street that you're on, uh, making sure that we get the customers and we can maintain um, customer service. And then Tiffany, Tiffany makes sure that all the work is really done. Yeah, done and done right. Right. <laughs> so you kind of, over compliance, you oversee to make sure that there's valid process service. So tell us then, what, what are the main requirements in Arizona for you to have effective service? Well, there are personal service, like Bud mentioned. So that means that we do have to serve someone personally um, in face-to-face. Um, there are different kinds of service. We can do substitute service. So each service depends. Um, we determine how we serve that person based on the documents themselves. So if there's orders to show cause or for people to appear regarding contempt, then those items have to be personally served. If there's something that the per- the individual needs to testify for, they're usually personal service. So we can't leave them with just anyone at the residence. If you're attempting to subserve something, uh, summons and complaints, there's just several different documents that you can subserve, then that means that we can usually leave it with anybody at the residence that's of suitable age and discretion um, that's also residing therein once the residency has been verified. So let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny I got a photo radar ticket mm-hmm. about uh, six months ago. Okay. <laughs> but if I did, and I, you know, you get it in the mail, the first they, they send it via mail first. Correct. And if you ignore it, then they send out a process server. Right. Because you have to be personally served. Well, I wasn't home. My teenage son was. Assuming he was, assuming this is a, an example, right? <laughs> Can a process server serve your kids? Technically, yes. On especially on photo radars, you can subserve a photo radar ticket at a residence. The law in Arizona doesn't give a specific year of age that someone has to be to accept service. It is very vague and it says of suitable age and discretion. So what we tell our process servers is if an eight-year-old answers the door, don't serve an eight-year-old. But if there's a 13 or a 14-year-old child that's watching siblings or that's home alone, we figured if the parent 
will allow them to stay home by themselves and they are mature enough to take a piece of paper and put it on the kitchen table for the parent when they get home. So that's kind of, we use our discretion. Yeah. But so let's, definitely a teenager is, is old enough <laughs> to right. accept. Right. You know, that's obviously I took care of it at that point. Right. Assuming, Assuming I did. <laughs> Assuming that we were served. Because I know that suitable age is subjective. Right. And at that point, you just got to take care of things. But um, tell me, so let's say that my son didn't answer the door. And, or let's say I was just leaving and I was driving out of, backing out of my driveway and I see this process server coming up. And I know I'm going to get served with that dang photoradar ticket. Well, then you have to gun it so they can't catch you. <laughs> so they can't or, put it on my windshield. Right, right. Or if you happen to be going... And run, and, run them over too, right? <laughs> that's, that's one of the <laughs> horror stories that'll come up. But um, if you... Um, if they see you and they're talking to you and you roll your window down and you say, hey, are you this person? And you say yes, but you don't want it. Uh, at that point, the process server can slap that underneath the windshield wipers and call it out that you've been served. And whether you stop and get the documents or they fly, fly off the window as you drive down the street, that's still considered service. And we will type it up as such. Sure. And file it with the court. It's on the defendant at that point. Right. What they do with the papers. I could be personally served at my house and toss them in the shredder, but that doesn't mean that, it's that I wasn't served. Correct. Right. Yeah. Process servers are officers of the court. I mean, once they're once they're licensed, they they actually carry weight of the court. So they're they're it's the judge has asked them to go out and have these people appear. So when you when you are doing things to process servers you're playing with fire. I mean, when you start um, pointing cars at them and, and doing those things, they are still officers of the court. And our people identify themselves. I'm an officer of the court. I'm here to serve you documents. You know, when you, when you start pulling guns on these guys and, and doing silly things like that, it, it gets real intense real quick. They can go to jail, in fact, for doing that, uh, right? Yes, right. absolutely. Have you seen that happen? We've seen people press charges against people that we've been served, that, that we have served or attempted to serve. Um, you press charges as a company on them or the process server individually? The process server individually will press charges against, you know, if they've been assaulted. We've had a few people will come out and someone's upset because they left the papers and throw something at them and, you know, cut their leg or hit them in the back of the head, whatever it might be. Um, at that point, then they get police involved. And, yeah, it's a and, criminal violation. Correct. To, it's assault or whatever it might be, right? right? If so, I'm backing up, by the way, I had this happen, not me doing it, but I've heard this story where a homeowner in an HOA didn't want to get served, so they tore out in reverse, and they ran over the process server's foot, and they were arrested for aggravated assault because it's almost assault with a deadly weapon or right. assault with intent to seriously injure, which is more than just simple assault. Right. So if we definitely, if we have to get police involved, then we do at that point if we feel that we're in harm. So Okay. And, and being in harm, you know, it's, it's, we don't want to put our people in that situation at all, ever. You know, and so it's, a, it's, it's always a good thing to know that if, we, if we're talking to a firm and, and we know that the person we're going to go serve is aggressive or... Um, you know, is any of that stuff is always good information to have because then we're not going to send Tiffany out to do the serve, not being racist or not being, you know, sexist or anything, but we're not going to send, you know, 
um, uh, a young lady or a young person out to do that serve. We're going to send one of our seasoned, tougher individuals or turn it over to the police department and just go, we're... And have the sheriff serve them. Yeah, we're out. Because they're yeah. officers of the court as well, right? Yep, and they're, and, you know, people in Arizona do carry weapons. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's still, uh, uh, when you get out of Phoenix or outside of Tucson, it's still wild, wild west. You know, you need to pay attention to your surroundings. Do you guys carry weapons? Uh, no, I don't. Can process no. servers carry weapons, though? Yep. They can yeah, as they effectuate service. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's switch gears. I mean, I mentioned the homeowner in an HOA that tried to run over process server and how that ended up for that homeowner went to jail. How many HOAs have you, or let me take a step back. How many homeowners in HOAs have you served or unit owners in a condo? If you were to kind of make a ballpark guess. Oh gosh, I don't know. We, we have several firms that, that we have several firms that do HOA. And uh, we we've served communities at a time. You know, um, we'll, we'll have documents. They'll be changing a rule or something, and we'll go out and actually serve an entire community. It, um, we have one that um, we're pulling license plates for. Uh, they mm-hmm. they have they have parking problem, so the firm will give us a list of license plates. We have in house private investigations where we will run the license plate, identify who that um, who that belongs to, and they will either knock on the door or run a, a violation from the HOA. Um, you know, we're, we're giving the client information, helping the, the HOA with their parking issues. There's Sure. That yeah. In fact, we've used you for that as well. I mean, that's kind yeah. of a – it's dramatic. I mean, it's a step you take towards the end of your rope, obviously, but if you can't get any movement from the unit owners and tenants and everyone else there – in a condo with a small parking lot, then sometimes that's yeah. what you have to do, right? And when and when people are evading service, you know, as far you were you wanted to know about HOAs and and what the boards can do to to help us, um, if they know, you know, you you need to give us proper information. We need the the correct address. We need the correct um, you know documents. Who the owner is? Are we sure? They're not using it as a rental property. They use it as a primary residence. All that information, because we can go out and do our standard attempts and knock on the door and do an early, uh, you know, a morning, noon, and night, and then do an odd attempt and then give you an affidavit of non-service to where you can go to the judge and go, I need a motion for alternative service, and then we can go back and post it. That's where you'll see documents taped to a door. Sure. Yeah, and and uh, once we've exhausted our abilities, making sure that that is the residence that they do live there, um, by pulling a DMV or doing something like that, um, then we give you that information that we've done our attempts of service and nobody's making themselves available. So you can actually then get the motion for alternative service, and we'll go tape it to the door, take pictures, and give you that. Sure. Yeah. That happens all the time, right? Yeah. So you mentioned make sure making sure we give you proper information or accurate information. What happens if the board doesn't have it and the law firm doesn't have any idea? What do you do on your end to locate people? 
well, if our process serve is out there, obviously we have a starting point. So we would usually go out to the residents. We start there. And if at that point we've been there, we can't make contact, then we'll typically talk to neighbors and try to get more information. Is the house being rented? Is it is it vacant? How long did you, you know, if someone says, oh, I just saw them, they moved out. You know, there was a U-Haul truck. We haven't seen them back. So a lot of the information that we can gather is from the neighbors just by knocking on doors and trying to get some more information out from them. So let's say that the neighbors confirm it's vacant and you know it's vacant because it looks like a bank foreclosure. What do you do next? At that point, um, we offer skip trace services if you would, if anyone's interested in trying to locate a new address for them. So we do that sort of stuff with our in-house investigator and we see what we come up with. We can also pull MVD photos uh, if they're licensed, typically if you move, you have to change your license within 10 days, I believe, in the state of Arizona. So if they've moved, hopefully, 10 days or more and they follow the rule, then we could possibly get a new address with the um, with the MVD. Another option is with the USPS, um, the post office, we can always do a forwarding, a request for forwarding information. So we can submit those to the post office and then they will provide us with any new forwarding information that they leave. Usually, typically, people will forward their mail. So we'll get something back from there. So going through all those steps, if you threw out a net, how many people are you able, let's say out of 10 people that you just don't have any information on, Mm -hmm. out of those 10 people, how many folks through those steps are you able to actually locate information? I would say we're in at least the 75 to 80%. So for the other 15%, you send butt up in the aerial surveillance plane. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) That could happen. Bud would love to do that. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. So what do you do with the other 15% where you, you get to the end of the line? Well, there's other processes. If you've shown the court that you've exhausted all the efforts to try to locate uh, the individuals, then at that point you can always serve by publication. And that's where you would put the documents in a local uh, publication and run it for X amount of weeks. I think it might be six to eight consecutive weeks. I'd have to, don't quote me on that. (laughs) But you would have to run that in a a local uh, publication and that would be considered good service once the duration was completed yeah and you file your affidavit of publication correct the court right and then you can move forward with your lawsuit okay very good so uh we talked about some funny stories or horror stories um i think i think bud has funnier stories than i do (laughs) (laughs) um there's always one that comes to mind um like i worked in california with a, a gentleman remain nameless but we we were a team we had a lot of fun um he was a uh, ex Santa Ana police department uh, private licensed private investigator process server and we always got the difficult stuff we were in LA trying to serve a doctor and um he worked downtown century city so there were two buildings side by side his office was in one he would park in a garage next door go up like 15 stories and then take the, the crossover into the building. We chased this guy for three weeks trying to get him. We would wait for lunch. We would get there early. We It was just crazy. Now, um, at the time, I wasn't licensed in California, but Scott was. So um, I had a, a Suburban that was lifted and um, had just all kinds of big music in it. Um, the doctor lived in Brentwood. So we went about 3 o'clock in the morning, 
and I pulled up in the doctor's driveway and Scott was throwing empty beer cans out on the driveway of this doctor's <laughs> home. He comes running out with a baseball bat and Scott jumped out and went, you've been served. He forgot. He didn't even think it was just a reaction. I mean, we're both laughing our behinds. And we did the look on the, the, the expression on his face when he realized he had been served was priceless. It okay. really was. So that was how many years ago? Um, that was 1990-something, 99. Can you yeah. still today throw beer cans on Ooh. somebody's roof and to get them served? Uh, <laughs> the answer is no, no, bud. The answer is no. Because <laughs> things have changed significantly since uh, the 80s and 70s, 80s, and 90s, yeah. right? For sure, for well, sure. I mean, why? Why, why did the... Th- why did the requirements for process service change so drastically? Um, I think it's to protect the process server as well as the individual. Um, You know, we laugh that bud through (laughs) beer cans, you know, in someone's yard, but that's still like now there's still rules that we have to follow as process servers. We are licensed by the court and we are um, officers of the court is what our, our license says on it, but we still have to abide and and abide by the rules and the laws. Well, like, let me give you an example. So I used to be a police officer for Mesa Police Department before I went to law school. And I was authorized as a police officer to, I could lie to get admissions from folks as long as I read their Miranda rights and they didn't lawyer up. I could go in and look at somebody eyeball to eyeball and say, look, so-and-so is going to rat on you. And if that happens, then, you know, all the chances for you to come clean right now are off gone table. off the table. So what are you going to do? And I didn't have somebody next door, but the court, Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court gave us that ability. Whether or not that's changed, I mean, I haven't done that. I've been a cop now for, what, 15, 20 years? 20 years. Um, but I don't know. I, don't, I haven't kept up with it. But bottom line is, is that the way we, what we were authorized to say and do back then may still be true today i don't know but certainly with process servers you can't lie to effectuate service right or can you well there's lie is a strong word (laughs) can you go to a house and say your neighbor told me that this is you and they're saying no i don't live there i don't live there and the neighbor is you know has verified that that person's there or you have a feeling as a process server most of us veterans they they know you can tell when you're being lied to or when they're trying to avoid. So um, typically you can kind of say, I know that this is you. Um, we'll ask them and they'll deny, no, it's not me, it's not me. Well, most of the time, if my next line is when I'm serving, if you can prove uh, with your identification, a photo ID, that it's not you, then I'm going, I'll walk away. But if you otherwise, you're going to be considered served. Most of the time, the people say, just give it to me. You know, all of a sudden, it turns to be them. So you can, even if you don't have that information, or you you can word things just like how you said, even if there's nobody next door that's going to wrap them out. Uh, If you can convince them that you know it's them. Uh, even though no one's told even you. Even no one's told us that that it's typically them. Now, what we can't do is we can't go up back in the olden days. I guess a lot of people used to, everyone thinks still sometimes, you know, you hear process servers like, dress up as the mailman and knock on the door or take them flowers. And um, we can't do those sorts of things. Why not? We, the law permits us from... Um, 
pretending to be something that we are not. So we cannot misrepresent ourselves. You so, can't come up with a fake publisher's clearinghouse check with balloons, huh? Uh, that's not, yes, that would be considered misrepresenting ourselves. So unfortunately, we can't do those things anymore. Um, there's a couple, I mean, there's things that you can do. I, I had um, an older woman that uh, took me in and she showed me a lot of things um, that she used to do and tricks to the trade. And she used to tell me that she wouldn't misrepresent herself, but she would take a, a dog leash and she would shake it and, you know, walk up and down a couple of houses and say, fluffy, fluffy, and looking for her dog and knocking on the doors. And she says, I, she looked like a little helpless old, you know, woman looking for her dog. And she would purposely start about three to four houses down. So if someone was looking, they just think they're the next house. She wouldn't start at the house that she wanted to be served at. And she would shake that, you know, that leash and call out for her dog. And, you know, someone always wanted to help a little old lady. And she, they would open the doors to her. She wasn't threatening. Everyone wants, you know, to help a little puppy. And so, you So know, even that, technically, there is no fluffy, but... It's but still not, not a misrepresentation. But she's not misrepresenting herself. She's not saying that she's works for you know Amazon delivery service or UPS mm-hmm. or the post office. So it, it's a different kind of trickery, um, but without misrepresenting yourself. So that would be a good serve if she's looking for Fluffy, her imaginary dog, and the homeowner that's getting needs to be served walks out the door looking for the dog, and she, <laughs> she says, "Hi, you've been served." Right. Bye. Right. That's a valid serve then for that what you're a, saying. That is a valid service. Yes. That's fun. Absolutely. So. And, and, and those kind of things you can do. Um, today, especially one of the biggest tools that's come into play is social media. Okay. Right. We all have social media. We all put ourselves out there on it. Um, and if you or your staff has that information and we're trying to serve somebody and we know they have a page, an Insta, a tweet, whatever. That information is given to us. Our our servers carry tablets. We, you know, we can actually print out a, a picture of them and put it with the serve. We know it's you, okay? You're six foot seven. You've got red hair and a blue star tattoo on your forehead. You're served, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the picture, we, yeah, we got you. Yeah. You know, social media is a big tool right now. It really is. Good. That's very, that, yeah, you're right. It is a big tool, not only for you guys, but everyone. I mean, for, for me as an employer hiring, yeah. you know, I can go online and check somebody's social uh, media out to know right. if they're the type, make a good fit for us. Right. So let's just say I uh, show up, I'm a process server, I show up and I misrepresent myself. I'm a UPS, I misrepresent myself as a UPS delivery man or, you know, the publisher's clearinghouse, wh- you name it. And I then serve them and file my affidavit of service. What can happen then? At that point, um, the person that you served can file a complaint against the process server's license. That would be step one. Uh, The process server would then have to go to a hearing before. It's the Supreme Court, I believe, that handles those hearings if you have complaints against you. And the service itself can possibly be thrown out from court if they wanted to contest it in court. They would go before the judge and say, "This wasn't ser- I wasn't served properly. The judge at that point can you know, deter- listen to all the facts and then determine whether that service is, is good service or not. If that does happen, we would typically have 
if there, we think that there's any chance that the service was not done properly, then we would have a process server at the court. So once the judge says, no, you weren't properly served and the individual thinks they're happy, you turn around and... Then, or walking into the court to you, argue about it. You right, serve them while we, they're walking into right, court. Right, and we just say, you've just been served. So, <laughs> so people think that they can get away with it, but we really will end up serving at the end of the day. They typically will be served sure. somehow or another. Yeah, I've seen that happen before where they argue that there was no proper service. They go to the judge to argue about it. And as they're walking into the courtroom to argue, the process server hands them the paperwork. And the judge looks at him and says, why are we here today? And why would you even bring this up? Let's get the let's let's get on the road here. Let's get this case resolved. Um, So I guess I have just a couple more questions and then we can wrap up. But. You know, I had a horror story come to me about, uh, what was it, six months ago, I think, we had a homeowner call us who had just been served. Um, it wasn't my firm that was handling it, and it was, ended up being a conflict because they wanted a homeowner attorney to represent them to sue the HOA. But from what I understand was the process server jumped over the fence and went into the private backyard to serve the individual who was sunbathing by a pool. So here's the question for you. Is that okay for a process server to serve somebody on private property? No, you cannot go um, into private property. We can go up to a door. Let's say there's a, a gate um, that leads up to your front door. You can open that front gate and go to the door just like if anybody was delivering something. But let's say the garage door was open and you can see the door to the entrance of the house. We cannot step foot inside the garage door that would be considered trespassing for us. We couldn't go try to knock on that garage door. For some reason, we couldn't get an answer at the at the front door. So there are rules that we have to abide by. Jumping the fence, going into someone's backyard, definitely, that that is, we cannot do that. That's a no-fly zone. That, right, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> again. <laughs> so, so here's the question, and let's change the fact pattern a little bit, and let's kind of summarize everything we've been talking about. You knock on the door, nobody answers. You go to another place you're authorized to be, the side door, uh, which the public can access because there's a sidewalk up to it. You knock on the door, no answer, but you hear people in the backyard. And the you're standing in a place where you can actually see the person in the backyard. And you know it's the person because you've checked out their social media. At that point, they, if you say, hey, and they ignore you because they know they're going to get served, could instead of you identifying yourself, could you pull a fluffy story and say something like, hi, your front door's on fire and misrepresent that fact, but you're not misrepresenting yourself to get them to run around and come into the area where you're standing? What do you think? Ooh, that's a that's an ethical one. <laughs> um, technically, yes, you could say that. And if they fell for it, then silly them, you've been served. <laughs> um, so yes, technically, I guess you could say that. If someone was going to fall for it, then they deserve to be served. Because it sounds to me like that's but, a lot like Fluffy the imaginary dog scenario. Right, right. Um, if they're in the backyard and you can see them and they're looking directly at you but refuse to talk to they've them. They've been they, served anyway. They, they have been served. At that point, you can see them in the backyard through the, the fence, the chain link fence or whatever it might be, and you know that it's them. 
just because they don't physically take the documents in hand does not mean that you cannot serve them. We can still drop them at the gate and call out service and say, you know, John Doe, you have been served. The documents are being left here and you would leave them at, at a specific spot. What we would do if something like that happens, we definitely put all of that information into the affidavit of service that we provide and we we include that that way when he goes to the judge they can say nope he was in the backyard in his swim trunks behind the fence and and then also on top we go one above that we'll take a photo of where we left the document so we can see here's a photo our photos have gps uh longitude latitude locations on them and so uh, that photo will be submitted along with the affidavit of service. So you have a picture of the house along with the documents there at the gate with him in his swim trunks in the backyard, <laughs> if that's the case. Perfect. So in a gated community, let's say it's a gated community uh, and you don't have the gate code, is there some super secret city gate code that every, that every community has a – that every community's gate will open to? And if there is, you're probably not going to tell me, but <laughs> – there's always a service code. I know the super secret emergency code that I used as a police officer, which <laughs> I'm sworn to secrecy. Well, on, yeah, but. we we don't have that, or I I honestly don't know it. But um, usually HOAs will have a gate code; they yeah. know what it is. Then that's good information to have. They'll give that to you, obviously, yeah. for your yeah. service. Following yeah. somebody else, following a, an open gate, or going through an open gate. Yeah. If the security gate is open, we can go in. Um, and that doesn't impact service. No. Because that that extends the scenario with somebody in the backyard pool versus now private community. Somebody goes in and you follow them in. Technically. There's actually Arizona statute. um, It's called a gatekeepers um, that um, is really rarely enforced. Um, Most jurisdictions, um, we can call them and go, you know, I I need access. There's a guard. I need access through this guard. He won't let me in. Um, you can actually serve the guard um, and or have the local jurisdiction escort you through the gate to the property. There is an, you mean an local actual jurisdiction is the police, police department. department. Yeah, there is an actual statute that that'll get us through the gate. But most jurisdictions won't enforce that statute. They're like, no, you know, you need to do something different. We're not going to get involved. So it's there. It's it's little known and, and rarely enforced, but getting through um, gated communities or a guarded community, uh, there is one on the books. I would imagine for your work with HOA law firms, though, it's not that big of a deal because we just give you the code. It's when they live in another community, gated community, and you're serving them on their property they own and in an adjoining HOA or whatever it might be. You can uh, you can always, um, as a server, pull your vehicle up to the gate that they would ingress or egress or in and out of. And if you sit there for a while and they can't get out, they're usually going to call the local police department and go, there's somebody blocking my gate. Well, at that point, they would come to the gate and you can serve them. Yeah, it's oh, you, you, you park in front of the gate. That's how they get in and out. They eventually, they let it come up for air. That's smart. It's like serving somebody scuba diving. Guess what? Yeah. You're barricading. Yeah, I'm going to get you. You're coming to the door eventually. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think this is a great conversation. We got a lot of stuff accomplished today. A lot of questions that my listeners have were answered today. So thank you so very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank <laughs> you.